Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. Amma ba'd, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Right then folks, alhamdulillah, this lesson is coming uh, directly from Madinatul Munawwara. We have a local audience of some of the Mu'atamirin, the people who do uh, Umrah, and some of the local folks who live here. And that's yani, part of the blessings of being in the Prophet City, Bifadlillah. So for those, for those folks who don't know, obviously online everyone will be seeing this on time. Uh, for those folks who don't know what this is, this is the explanation of a, uh, a matan, a hanbali matan, a text in law, um, which goes through the entire aspects of Islamic jurisprudence. And we have reached the issue of Al-Fatiha. We spent a good couple of weeks on Al-Fatiha, various rulings, various aspects. And now we're at a text, which I've actually just realized when you're watching this on Wednesday, that the English translation is not there. Okay, so we'll do one of our uh, ad-lib versions. So the, the, the part that we've been covering for the last four or five weeks is الفاتحة, And then he recites the Fatiha. Yeah? And we spoke in the last lesson about some of the basic rulings. But the next sections will, be, will make it clear what we're going to focus on today. Because the author says, Imam al-Hajjawi alayhi rahmatullah, he says, فَإِنْ قَطَعَهَا بِذِكْرٍ أَوْ سُقُوتٍ غَيْرَ مَشْرُوعَيْنِ وَطَالْ أَوْ تَرَكَ مِنْهَا تَشْدِيدَةً أَوْ حَرْفًا أَوْ تَرْتِيبًا لَزِمَا غَيْرَ مَأْمُومٍ إِعَادَتُهَا Okay, I think that should be... Uh, أو, uh, and and well, let's add just in case we get there. وَيَجْهَرُ الْكُلْ بِآمِينَ فِي الْجَهْرِيَّةِ I think that's more than enough. If we even do half of this, it'll be a result. Okay? So translation, uh, we've already covered the whole concept that then they would recite the Fatiha, or then he would recite the Fatiha in the Salah, okay? From his Arkan, from his pillars. But if he interrupts, literally breaks, but if he interrupts this Fatiha, this recitation of the Fatiha, with some dhikr or a period of silence which is not legislated, neither of them are legislated, and that extends, meaning it's a bit too long, okay? Or he leaves, whilst reciting, he leaves out a tashdida, and I have no idea how to translate tashdida, but it's the exaggerated form of when you're reciting, when you say, you know, amma or inna. And of course, from a grammatical point of view, this is the, the coming together of two identical letters. When In grammar, when two identical letters, when, the noon, when there's two noons, uh, they come together, it come, instead of having innana or whatever, it becomes inna, right? The, this is from uh, basic gram, uh, grammatical Arabic grammar. So anyone who leaves that, okay, and it will give an, ex, an, a, a, an example of that when it comes. So, So whoever then leaves from the Fatiha even one uh, form of uh, mistaken vowelization, you, you could say, or leaves a letter, or gets the order mixed up it is an absolute necessity for someone who is other than a follower to repeat it other than a follower to repeat it the ma'mum as we know is the one who is praying behind an imam so therefore by definition the one who has to repeat it is the one who is praying alone and the imam okay but if you are just someone who is praying in a jama'ah and you were to leave it, then you wouldn't need to. Obviously, that's going to make sense when I explain it. Okay, let's get back to the beginning then, and take this bit by bit. Shaykh Uthaymin, alayhi rahmatullah, he says on page 63 of Al-Mumti', um, he says, his statement, فَإِنْ قَطَعَهَا بِذِكْرٍ أَوْ سُكُوتٍ غَيْرَ مَشْرُوعِينِ وَطَالٍ يعني what that means is that if a person would say, for example, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, that's a dhikr, and it's a tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, if a person is reciting salah properly, the whole point of getting involved in a salah is that you reflect upon every statement, especially after, especially in the Fatiha. Because as we covered now for the last, I don't know how many weeks now, the Hadith of Sahih Muslim, the Hadith Qudsi. Whenever you say, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately responds. And he boasts to the angels, he's very happy and proud of the fact that the people who are reciting Fatiha are praising him. And this conversation goes. So if a person is really into the Salah at that moment and really feeling it and calming down, then they will actually, every moment they will pause and they'll reflect upon what they're saying. And when a person does that, uh, as I mentioned, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, a lot of people don't understand the concept of dhikr, right? Dhikr, they think is just to say something, but it's not. Dhikr is a, how many stage process? Three stage process. First stage? Three, three stages. First stage. When we say dhikr, 
break it down. What does actually dhikr mean? Perception. Okay, good. First is perception. Second is reflection. Third, expression. Excellent. Okay. These are the three stages that a person goes through when they make dhikr. Remember what the word dhikr means. Coming from dhikr, it means to remember. Remembering who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean to be in the dhikr of Allah? It means people translate it as to be in the remembrance of Allah. How is a person in the remembrance of Allah? When you make Allah relevant in every single thing that you do. When you remember Allah in every single thing you do. And remember Allah in every single situation that you never would have thought previously. How does that need to happen? Three stages. First of all, you've got to actually perceive the need for Allah to be relevant in a scenario. You've got to perceive it correctly. So if a person comes in, like I come in at 8 o'clock and I see nice gathering like, like this. I think to myself, you know... What am I going to say is going to be my final consequence. But the first yani, uh, 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 stage is for me to understand what just happened here. Right? I see a lot of people. Now, to a person who couldn't care less, it would just be, you know, just pass by. But if I see a lot of people and I'm expecting a few people, then I'm impressed. So that's my perception, that I'm actually observing things. Okay? The second is a reflection. Where did these people come from? From Abu Isa or from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's tawfiq? And I think to myself, subhanAllah, this is from Allah's mercy that yani, in the city where there's so many classes and so much people and people are tired and studying yani, all day and night and they're here to do the umrah, they still come out to study. And then the third part is the expression. So after I've done the perception, I've reflected upon it and what should my emotion be? What should my thanks be or my no thanks be or my protection be or a'udhu billah or astaghfirullah? But I say subhanAllah. I say subhanAllah. So people concentrate on the last part. It is essential part, but the first two parts are also important. Because if you don't have the first two parts, you're not living dhikr. It's the difference between a person, you know, who's just got the beads and they're just going subhanAllah, 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 in this kind of robotic fashion and people think this is dhikr. This ain't dhikr. A person who is yani, making dhikr is someone whose life is real. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to walk around yani, with beads focusing on just some robotic action yani, at set points of the day. But rather everything was an observation. Everything was a perception of things going around. If something was bad, he would think astaghfirullah. Something was good, he would say subhanallah. When something impressed him, he would say mashallah tabarakallah. And, 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 and. If he comes to a specific scenario, walks into a house, walks out of a house, goes towards the masjid, comes out of the masjid, sees someone, leaves someone, someone going on a journey, come back from a journey. Every single thing requires at least a healthy heart and a healthy mind to perceive that something special has happened, either good or bad. And then to translate that into some kind of emotion, which is an internal one. Because dhikr ultimately is an internal uh, uh, reality. And then it's expressed, okay? And that expression is what is then completes the dhikr process. So if you're reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, and you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, and you're in, a, you're, you're in the prayer itself, and you recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you to be actually standing in prayer when you've gone through a period of time, for example, three months where you've been sitting, and you're in Masjid al-Nabawi, and you could be in the middle of some land of Kufar, yani, with lots of people around you, and music playing in the background, you're trying your very best to focus, but instead all you're hearing is absolute silence. And you realize that you're in a blessed land where the Prophet ﷺ stood. This requires some perception. And some appreciation. And you start to feel grateful. That's the reflection. And then you can then respond. And response in the prayer is dhikr. So it is quite correct for a person to say Alhamdulillah and pause. And that pause where you think about who you're praising and why you're praising him. You might even say to yourself Alhamdulillah or Subhanallah. And this used to be the sunnah of the Prophet especially in the night prayer. In the night prayer, the Prophet would regularly stop after an ayah and repeat a tasbih, say a tasbih, or make istighfar. The companion said that never did we see the Prophet come across an ayah of Jannah except that he would stop and say, Allahumma inni as'aluk al-fardaws, or Allahumma inni as'aluk al-jannah. So the ayah speaking about Jannah, he pauses, he reflects upon it, and the expression is a dua, and remember, dua is a form of dhikr where he asked for Jannah. And the companion said, never would he come across an ayah talking about the fire, if, except that he would say a stop and he would say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min nar So there is a dhikr as a, as a response to every ayah or every part, part where it's re- relative. So the question that's being covered here from a fiqh point of view is that when does that get too much and when is it okay? Right? So the author says that if your recitation is interrupted with dhikr or silence which is too long and not legislated, 
then we're going to have to have a repetition. Yeah, or we have to repeat the prayer, or we repeat the fatihah, or repeat that. We're going to come to what we need to repeat. So he gives an example. He said, if a person says Alhamdulillahirobbilalamin, and he then, yani he starts to jaa al-yusni ala Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He goes Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, Bukratun wa Asila, Wallahu Akbar, Kabira, Walhamdulillah Kathira, Waqam Yadu bi Dua. Yani, yani he is going on and on and on and on. And then he says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, we will say to him, this is not legislated. And for إِذَا طَالَ الْفَصَلِ وَجَبَ عَلَيْهِ الْعَادِ If this is getting to this level, where it starts to get too long, he has to repeat the Fatiha again. Question obviously is, what is too long? Yeah, and it was one person's too much, another, you know, some people don't even know any dhikr. And they would say that, if a person say, even a person saying, subhanAllah is too much. If you're from a certain cultural background, and you hear someone saying something else in a prayer, you'll have a heart attack, right? If you're a pack and you hear someone reciting Alhamdulillah and you hear him say SubhanAllah in between, you're thinking, right, game over, this person's yani, uh, invalidated his prayer. Whereas if you're a person yani, who follows other madahib, knows that yani, to make dhikr in salah is something which is legislated, and you hear yani, a few words, you'll think maybe a person could have said more. So where is the balance? There's nothing from the sunnah to indicate that. It goes back to what we've been discussing so many times, that when it comes to length of time, in any issue, it always goes back down to the culture and the Muslims themselves. They're the ones who determine. And when the majority of the Muslims hear something and they say, you know what, that sounded a bit too long, or you know what, that sounded a bit too short, they're the best judge. And so therefore, if you ask me what would be too much, I would say the example that he gave, seven, eight, nine phrases of dhikr, is what would be defined as too much. And he's indicating that. A person, if they come across something amazing, subhanAllah, Allah Akbar, is what you would expect, would be munasib. Anything longer than that, you've broken the continuity. We spoke about that last week, when the example that he gave about wudu, right? We said before that when a person is making wudu, there's this cultural idea that you're not allowed to dry your body limbs before moving on to the next one. And they often use that as the kind of dividing factor for the fiqh, or the, you know, to understand that when it comes to continuity, it's about, uh, about a body part drying. We've proven that it's nothing to do with the body part drying. If you're making wudu, anybody who's been here in summer making wudu in 50 degrees, you don't even finish something, and Diani, you're washing one arm, and you're doing this one, this one's drying already. So it's not to do with drying. And a lot of people, for example, especially in the West, if you're about to wash your feet, they, or wipe over your feet, they might dry themselves yani, first before they actually then take off their shoes and then wipe the feet. It's not about drying, it's about how long was the gap before you moved on to the next stage where it seems like too long, where it feels like too long. And everyone's happy with the basic idea that I'll just grab the towel from there, take 5-10 seconds to dry, and then i carry on. This is not breaking continuity. Breaking continuity is yani, going out of the bathroom, going downstairs, yani, saying hello to mom, saying what's up to the brothers, and then going into the other thing and then wiping the feet. You know, moving a distance away and moving a time away. Because there's always yani, an issue of zaman and makan. Time and place is relative. Obviously, in this uh, Umrah class that we had just before, people are asking the key question. What is the ruling if you break your wudu during the tawaf? And the answer to this is the answer to the wudu, which is the answer to the fatiha, which is the answer to the tasbih, which is the answer to the bleeding. It's the, the answer is always the same when it comes to amounts and time. It's what the people think. What do people think? It's the same answer to, I made a mistake in a prayer, but I got to the car park. I made a mistake in a prayer, but I'm still within the musallah. Can I go back and rescue it? If I'm in a car park, can I go back and rescue it? These answers are all based upon the urfi understanding of what is a long time. And depending upon the different act that you're covering, time will change. So in wudu, I think anything over a minute long is too long. In tawaf, I think anything over 10 minutes is too long. So for example, that's why I said that if you go to make wudu in, within the mataf, on the edge of the mataf, I'm happy for you to continue again from where your place is. If the obligatory prayer is established, the obligatory prayer is only 5 to 10 minutes. I'm happy for you to start from where you are. A number of scholars said, no, have to start again from the beginning of that round. Some scholars said, you've got to start from the very, very beginning of the tawaf again. Okay? Of what there's very little doubt, meaning the vast majority of scholars, they would say that if a person has to go to the toilet, which we know in the haram is a 25-minute job, a half-hour job. That's yani, a long time. How can a person assume that there's continuity going if he goes all the way out, comes back 25 minutes later, and wants to start from that same point again? In actual fact, not only is it safe to have to start from that first circuit again, some will say that the whole tawaf starts again, which is actually the safer position, because it feels like you're starting a complete new. It doesn't feel continuous. So this... You know, a lot of students when they're studying fiqh for the first time, they find it very difficult. How is it can legal systems be on feel? And I want you to understand that actually very much is based upon feel. 
Because the, the, the Islamic legal system is a very natural one. It's not meant to be so prescriptive that not normal people can't use it. It's meant to be deaf, left down for good judgment, good yani, common sense to come to the aid uh, of people in a number of uh, scenarios. So anyway, that's an example of what he says would be too much. Then he says, um, another example would be um, silence. So for example, he says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, then he hears an announcement going on. So he stops to listen to the entire announcement. <coughs> So the announcement starts, but then he says to himself, right, you know what, I need the rest of it, Yanni, to, you know, to understand it. And it goes on. So this person should start again from the beginning, because there needs to be continuity. Okay, it needs to be continuity. And he says, Sheikh Uthameen says, but it's very important to see that the author did say non-legislated, which would indicate that there are legislated pauses and legislated dhikr. So... What are the legislated pauses and dhikr? In terms of the legislated dhikr, then it's like what I said. A person says, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, and thinks about the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's possible, isn't it? Every day, day is different. You've just seen something incredible, and you've just witnessed it. You might have just seen, for example, uh, a child uh, uh, you know, running and fall over, and someone, complete stranger, pick them up, and you, know, you pull a, a sweet out. Just gone above and beyond. And you've just observed it, just before the iqamah, meaning you've not had enough time to process the kindness of the act. You haven't read, but you've observed it, okay? And you're taken back, and you're in your Fatiha, and you're about to recite, Alhamdulillah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Because you've just said, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Rahmah is upon you, you think about that, you stop for a bit, you just think about what you've just seen, and you connect it, you say, SubhanAllah. Because this yani, Rahmah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places in the hearts, comes from the one portion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down to the earth, 99 left of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have a rahmah moment, you reflect upon it, you pause. That is what's called a legitimate pause, a legitimate sukut. If you were to say, subhanallah, that would be a legitimate dhikr, right? It's the long one that we're having a problem with. It's a long period of silence that we have a problem with. Sheikh Uthameen gives an example, when you say, salat al-ladina an'amta alayhim. So guide me to the path of those people that you are pleased with. It would make sense that you would say to yourself, Allahumma ja'alni minhum. Oh Allah, make me from those people who you're pleased with. Like directly as a response. So you said, oh Allah, guide me to that path, the path of those that you're pleased with. Ya Allah, make me from them. And then you carry on. That's a very small dhikr that is legislated. And he gives an example of a small, um, uh, a small pause, a small pause, which to be honest, I'm not... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good example. And I think the reason I don't think it's a good example is because there aren't that many examples actually to give of a legitimate pause. Um, who can think of a pause in a prayer? A legitimate one. Um, whenever you say uh, an ayah, you wait for God to respond? So, you know, that's interesting because that's coming up and that's more to do with how the Fatiha should be recited. Yeah, how the Fatiha should actually, what's the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in recitation of Fatiha? Is it tawasul? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddini Iyak, like this? Or is it Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Malik, yani is the pause, the Prophet ﷺ practicing the conversation that you're referring to in Sahih Muslim? Or is it that that's his sunnah? Or is it yani, neither of those and it's just the fact that every ayah should be recited in a way that when it ends, a person should reflect upon it. I think it's probably from that category, not from silence. Uh, are we talking about in Jamal? Or, or? Uh, you know what it is? The answer should really be on your own, but he's going to give one in Jamal. After Fatiha. Okay. Uh, that's actually what he says. But by yourself? What would the example be by yourself? Legislated. Because... The Imam, we get that one. He would recite Fatiha and he would pause to, and that's the, that's the example that the Sheikh uh, 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 gives the example of, that maybe there's a person maybe behind, well, he doesn't give that example, but I can say that would be more understandable, that he recites Fatiha, like in the Shafi'i school. The Shafi'i school, they want all of that Fatiha recited by everyone. And the Imam is sometimes going to help the people out behind him, right? And he does that normally in two ways. Either he elongates the gap in between each ayah for them to recite after each ayah, like we said a couple of weeks ago, or he's going to stop and say, Ameen, and then give like 10-15 seconds for you to recite the whole Fatiha, Alhamdulillah, Alameen, for the people behind before he recites the Surah. I get that example. I'm just struggling to find an acceptable one by yourself. Pause in recitation or any part of prayer? It doesn't, it's, it's mutlaq. Let's not give it, let's not restrict it. Let's just talk about a pause. After a what? After a what? Yeah, after after, after, after ruku? Yeah. At is a pause. 
to allow yani, a person to uh, bodily relax, yani? Oh, yeah. we're praying the prayer for the dead. Okay. So the reason we wouldn't use that as an example is because there are some scholars who don't even think that the janazah prayer is even a prayer, you know, to go that way, uh-huh. to use the janazah prayer as the kind of the, the qiyas, probably would be going, would be, would, scholars would probably not accept that. They'd want to use, they'd want to use the obligatory prayer. I like the idea, but I don't think that they would use a secondary prayer as, because like, the Hanafi school doesn't even consider janazah prayer even to be a prayer. So that would be problematic to use it as a primary evidence. Just trying to think what would it be. What change of thought? Change of thought? I'm trying to, I, you know what I'm struggling with? I'm struggling with what's the difference between a period of silence and dhikr, like the ones that you've all given. Everything that you've mentioned, I put under dhikr, uh, except maybe tumatnina. Would the sajda of recitation be considered? A sajda of recitation? No, because that's not that's not a pause. That's a con- that's a that's a continuation of the actual fat uh, salah in another act. But we're talking in fatiha though. In fatiha itself. Yeah. What if you've just been really moved by what you're reciting? So you're not exactly doing dhikr, but you. You yeah, you're just you're just yeah yeah yeah. I think so. I think that's probably where he's going to. And then the question would be, how long would we accept a person to be in that moment? So let me put it to you. What do you think? 20 minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> pure hater. Pure hater. Pure hater. Hudayfi's return here. Yes. Isn't that a classic example? Go on. When he, when he was allowed back then, he yes. started Fatiha. Yep. Started, broke down. Yep. Paused, went to the other day. Yep. Tried again, broke down. Yep. Again, again, again. Maybe. 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 That's an extreme, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. That's why I'm not fully down with it, but I, I mean, it could be argued. Okay, if they pause so they can be conscious of their surroundings, maybe there might be a sign. Okay, so how long? How long is acceptable and how long is not? Um, just, well, that's a different one. Depends on, on the situation, isn't it? Okay, you think it changes that, that drastically each time? Yeah, if, someone, if you're in danger or something, though. So, in fact, it would be more you? than... Emotion. Is emotion yeah, emotion. You see, my 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 no, my no, problem no. my problem with emotion is that I I consider emotion to be part of dhikr. You see, when you have the definition and the system of of dhikr that I just mentioned, the, ex, the the expression part sometimes doesn't happen. Okay, to actually say something after a person has actually remembered Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You know what what, what I want to say is that I I want to let people know that. A lot of people are in a state of dhikr rather having to say things. And, and let alone show things, which is the weakest, weakest form of dhikr. Where people indicate to others that I'm actually saying something or doing something. That's why it's so makroo to be doing this kind of stuff in front of people. Uh, in my opinion, if you want to be my, take my, uh, even worse than riyah. But yani, 100%. I think it's, it's crazy to do this behavior. It's taken me, by the way, all of 20 minutes to work out yani, who you are, by the way. I'm thinking... All, all until right now, we have Baha. And now Baha is coming bloody disguised. I'm thinking, what on earth? This sounds like Baha. <laughs> she traumatized me, by the way. I'm thinking, this is Baha. But obviously it's not Baha because she's in Niqab. It's Baha. She's learned Niqab within 20 minutes. Get out of here, man. Honestly. Do my... No, I'm saying a break. Get out of here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Tell you, tell you, tell you. I want everyone to know this is fault, okay? No, no, it's not my fault. This is Jiva. Jiva, no. Jiva who gave it to me? Jiva. Jiva. Was it Jiva? This is not a break. We get too much. We have to stick to tradition, that's true. They are, they're Sunnah Tariqah. We're in the Sunnah Tiani city, so we have to do Sunnah Tariqah. Okay. Everyone who's not taking this lesson thinking what the hell's going on, unfortunately, our class is synonymous with just chocolate, okay? And eating and all this kind of stuff. You're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, give it out. Go on. Come on, give it out. What are you giving it to me for? Even in Medina, we look after our guests. Yalla. This ain't a break, bro. This is the this is this is this is the class. If the Imam breaks his wudu, this is not necessarily a break because the salah will continue straight away. Are you saying even the ten seconds in between, you mean? Yeah, he will appoint someone else. You're saying that's the that's the that's a gap. That's not bad actually. That's not bad. That I like that. Yes. But he didn't. The one here, which was Imam Sheikh Al-Hudayfi, he didn't start the prayer. The famous video that you're referring to, he kept everyone standing just after the iqamah. He was about to make takbir, the iqamah had been given, and he realized that he hasn't got wudu. 
And so then it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. And he made everyone stay, you know, just there for a second. By the way, I can't believe this is obviously a, a, a significant a significant descent into the absurdity or into the absurd when we're actually going for Hershey's, which is not chocolate as by, by consensus of the world. I know that wasn't you because, Jeeva, if you had bought Hershey's, you would be banned from this class forever. Hershey's ain't chocolate. Are you kidding me? You've had a week, a month and a year of eating Cadbury's and you're going to eat Hershey's and you think that's just chocolate? <coughs> Look at his hate. Look at his hate. You are maf, you are a maf. No, no, maf you are. Yeah. When you're saying pause, do you mean like a technical pause? No. That's good. They're talking about a technical pause not linked to reflection or whatever, because that's what dhikr is. So we're talking a physical pause for some kind of reason. The main I don't want to lose every go on. Good example. For how long though? Let's have some time. So we're given five, six different examples which are good. How long would you consider it acceptable? If you look here, five seconds, ten seconds at least. Five, ten seconds. You saw today. Five, ten seconds. Well, that's a good point. Well, if your father is very, very slow and long and slow and controlled, you can't yani, apply a one second if you're. You're reciting, take 10 seconds for Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. That's a good oh, point as well. You can pause if your mind is not focusing your prayer, like the shaitan is not. So that's a really good point. If you were to pause in Fatiha, we know that legislated are three dry spits on the left-hand side. Let's have a look at this. That's what? Three? Four seconds. Need some time before and after. So yeah, okay, good. So you're struggling with something. Shaitan's coming to you. Do you pause? I'm not having this. I'm losing control. That's two seconds. seconds. Turn. Yeah, I'm comfortable with ten seconds. I'm comfortable with the general kind of eight, nine, ten seconds. It's. I think I. I've always had confidence in people. And every and every fiqh that I teach, I'm very comfortable with people making their own decision. Now the only problem with that in the last year, maybe 10, 15 years since I've been teaching, is that the rise and increase in waswas and OCD. Now the problem with this increase in the community in general has made people lose their confidence. What about impatience? Impatience. Impatience, because there's going to be a difference in the time that you're able to tolerate somebody not reciting. As an individual themselves or behind an imam? The the community in general. Yeah. But if you're thinking the whole community is used to yeah, so that can't happen. That, 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 that's going to change public perception. We can't let an, hour, an outlier change. The, you know, just, just like in statistics, you've got a standard deviation. Of course, but if, if people in general are all going that way. If people in general are all going that way, then we've got to give what the people should, should yes, expect. Which, I think is which, is why, which is why the Prophet ﷺ did not hesitate in censuring Mu'adh bin Jabal when he extended Isha. Whereas you compare it to his own recitation, he saw that the people were not happy with it, and Mu'adh was censored. Okay, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Anyway. What, what about the Imam who's finished the surah, and he knows people are going to join the salah, so he gives a pause. So, 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 so you, hear, you see this? There are a number of fuqaha that consider this to be makru and some even consider it to be haram. And the reason for that is because they say this is an actual changing of the structure of the salah. Especially if you make it more than 5 or 10 seconds. You know, it's like people think that this is a great thing for the imam to do. You know, because, you know, in our masajid, especially in the West, it's all doors here, everything. You can hear people struggling, you know, the creak of the first door. And if you're an imam, you know exactly how long it takes for a person to get to the last row, how long it's going to take for them to make how long. And you'll see that it's a very difficult, I know when I'm leading the prayer, it's really stressful that you know for certain that a person has walked in and he's walking and you're about to now go up and say Samiya and you know you're going to skank my guy yeah and yet my guy is saying just another two seconds just another three and I've already waited nine or ten how long do I keep waiting for and that's why it's makru I really I really like the position of the scholars that say that it's not good because we've got to get people off that you know and you know what it is it also shows a, a poor understanding of deen I criticize myself when I do it and I am guilty of it and I say do you understand deen or not why are you worried about this person catching that, that raka anyway he's got the ajr of the salah what, what's your problem 
you understand? But you get emotionally weak at that moment, and you kind of think, let me help him out. But you help, you're not helping anyone out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's almost like, you know, the whole airplane scenario when you talk about the oxygen situation, right? You're actually always thinking that I've got to, you know, sometimes to do the other action is better for the overall scenario than, than what common sense might say. Anyway. Can I, can I ask yeah. a question related Go. to that? Yeah. A bit off the topic. Yeah. So supposing you're going to start to pray and you're waiting for somebody, for a jama'ah. So just you and that guy. Yeah, and the guy. Classic kids, man. Yeah. You know, they're not coming, they're taking ages, blah, blah, blah. Say, right, forget this. I'm going to start my salah, I'll yep. make a longer surah, and they'll just catch me up. I think that's okay. Is it better to do that or wait for them? Better to do that, obviously. Yeah, no, well, no, no. because you'll be praying earlier, which is a sunnah. You're praying more, which is a sunnah. On your own to start. On your own, which is even better. Remember, recitation longer on your own is what is, re- is the request from the sunnah. In jama'ah, to not uh, 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 hurt other people in whatever way it is, is the sunnah to keep it shorter. No doubt about it. No doubt. And also to keep discipline as well. Also to maintain discipline. Because when people know that he's going to wait forever, they're going to take forever. And they've got to be taught the lesson, you know, we're not fluffing around here, we're not playing around. Yeah? Okay. Or a person leaves this, the shadda. So he says, Rabbil Alameen. Not Rabbil Alameen. Okay? And the shadda on the back, if a person says, Rabbil Alameen, and that's something very, very important for people who are learning Fatiha for the first time. Lam tasih, wa innama lam tasih. He says two times, and it's absolutely invalid. Absolutely invalid. Because you have actually, by going, Rabbil Alameen, you've taken a ba out of Fatiha. If I was to say to you, if I didn't talk about Tashdeed at all, and I say, is it, po- is it possible to recite Fatiha and take a ba out of it? You would say, of course not. Well, that's exactly what you do when you don't say, Rabbil Alameen. All right? Or harfan, or a person takes out a harf, a letter or two. So, for example, he leaves out alif lam in ghayril maghdubi alayhim. So he says ghayri maghdubi alayhim, and Sheikh makes a point that is invalid. Got to start again. Starting again, the fatiha starting again, and he goes, "This is very common with people who recite fast. People who are reciting fast all the time and making it all one big kind of splurge, then they are always missing out letters here and there." Or tartiban. And that's obvious. He says, Alhamdulillah, Maliki Yomidin. That's invalid because he's changed the order. And something very interesting, Sheikh Uthameen says, he says, order is not something which is left down to personal decision. Remember, we spoke about this, Yani, in terms of the order of the Quran. And we spoke about it, Yani, a couple of lessons ago that it is the ishtihad of the companions that has, the Ummah has agreed upon. It is a matter of tawqifi. Fatiha and its order is tawqifi. Tawqifi means that there is no space for people to work out and play around. It's divinely ordained. The Prophet ﷺ was not only taught the Qur'an, but he was taught the order of the Qur'an. And he mentions a really nice hadith subhanAllah, that will help everyone understand this. He said, the Nabi Wasallam used to say, Meaning, he's got companions around him. Quran comes down upon the Prophet Wasallam. He recites the ayah. People recognize what has occurred. Then he said, Place this ayah in the surah that mentions this, this. That's how the Qur'an was, 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 was gathered. You've got to understand that. Yani. You know, surahs all went nicely and you know, conveniently all revealed just like that. Ayah here, ayah there. And then the, the Hufad, the more talented of them, because they weren't all, all Hufad. They would say, take this one. And you know um, why I wanted you guys to go to the Qur'an Museum, why it was so nice? Uh, and, and copy the, uh, the, the, the boards and um, study the different things. Uh, we've been talking about this in the last few lessons, right? About yani, the waqf and uh, waqf lazim and the ta and the lam and all the rest of it. And I told you that these are all latter things. I don't know whether I mentioned to you that surah names as well. I think I did. Yeah, I did, yeah. And all these names and all these kind of ways, these all came later. Very few surah names do we know from the Prophet ﷺ. Very few. Most of the time, they start off with the beginning of the actual surah. And that is how they used to know. So this actually emphasizes that point. They would, he, he, Prophet ﷺ here didn't even say, go and put this in surah Furqan, or go and put this in surah Kaf. He said, put this in the surah where it mentions so-and-so. And the companions would be spot on, do it. They would recite upon him, he would correct. And then who corrects the corrector? Jibreel ﷺ, making the review every single year, and then twice in the year that he passed. That is the Quran, verbal Oral, A-U-R-A-L, and that people hear it and memorize it, and oral is passed via the verbal tradition. There are physical recording is an afterthought. It's a secondary matter. 
Yeah, as, as we spent obviously a lot of time talking about, we're not going to go about that. So what does, if you do any of these things, what happens? لَزِمَ غَيْرَ مَأْمُومٍ إِعَادَتُهَا Any person who is not a follower has to repeat it. So you are three people only when you're praying. You're either the imam, you're either the follower, your imam, a leader, you are a ma'moom, a follower, or you are monfarid, you are an individual praying by themselves. So the imam who does this mistake and the munfarid who makes this mistake has to repeat that fatiha. Why only those two? Because uh, the, the follower is following the lead of the imam. So what? Uh, this follows your... This too many people the too many people. No. The imam takes the burden. So put it into a legal statement. Oh. Put it into... Yes, exactly. And you're right as well. And you're right as well. And you're right as well. So therefore the legal fact is what? That according to the Hanabila and according to the majority, no, no, Fatiha is not wajib to recite upon the follower. Okay, that's the legal statement. So if Fatiha is not wajib to recite, because we said before, only the Shafi'i school consider it as an obligation to have to recite. The rest of the Madahib, Hanafis don't need it recited, Imam covers. Malik and Ahmed and the majority of the Salaf and the majority of the scholars afterwards, they said as long as we can follow it when we hear it, then that's good enough. And then when we can't hear it in the silence press, we have to recite it. So if you're following it, the Imam is doing the, the, the work for you. The Imam is doing the job for you. So the point is, the, what, the, what the Hanabila are saying, if we don't obligate the follower to recite Fatiha, how are we going to obligate him to re, re, repeat the Fatiha if he, if he makes a mistake when he's not obligated to recite in the first place? Does that make sense? You understand? What's the problem with this statement? That. Or rather, what's needed to be said after I've made this statement? The imam makes a mistake. No, no. Still talking about this ma'mum, this follower. What more needs to be Yani said? So therefore, it's okay then. I mean, what I basically said is it's fine. Khalas. No, no. I'm saying that me. I, I, I'm it, almost like I'm suggesting that the follower he can just keep missing tashdeed and and huruf and tartib. He can do what he wants, right? No. Because he doesn't have to repeat it. We just said he doesn't have to repeat it because it's not obligated to 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 recite it. Abdul Razak. No, no. This is him. But I'm saying intentionally. Intentionally, yeah. He's done it intentionally. So, put that into legal terms. Continuing to do something intentionally. Yeah, means? Maybe he's changing Quran and he's... he's So, so what is the ruling on this person? Yani, we've done part of the of the ruling. We've said that if the imam or the individual does any of these things, they have to repeat the fatiha. What does the ma'moom have to do? Tell me everything about the ma'moom, the follower, if he does anything like this. The imam uh, swallows his mistakes. The, the imam, imam swallows his mistakes if yani, he's reciting along and doing something and he doesn't know not aware. He's intentionally doing it. He's broken his salah, there's no salah. So uh, uh, how, how, how is that? Why? But he's changing. If, he, if he's saying he's changing Quran, then he's yep. out of the game, no? No, but you know, it, well, even when we say. Well, even when we say intentionally, I don't mean intentionally like Yani as an enemy of Islam. I mean intentionally that he's aware that he did it, not sure what he's yani, doing or not doing. Maybe even he's in a learning stage and he's not sure or whatever. Well, that's something else. Then. No, but you guys have got all the correct kind of answers, but yani, the simple answer is just missing. You know the whole point of invalidity and sin. Okay. That's the answer. Okay, so, so never ever correct, sinful. but sinful. And you guys should by now well, have been getting that. We've spoken again, it's very important. From a league, right. when you study fiqh, you have to always be cold enough up here to divide between sin and invalidity. But, um, you get what I'm saying? If it's unintentional, still if it's unintentional and the person is learn new Muslim, learning today, whatever, that's something else. But we're talking a person, Yani, who someone's warned, Yani, and they make a mistake again, it's a mistake. Yani, if a person's going into salah and intentionally saying, I recite, that person's not even a Muslim. Yani, intentionally, I will recite in my way. Do you know what I mean? But a person yani, who has been warned, your Quran's weak, be careful, don't do this, and he carries on doing it, okay, without making any attempt to rectify, what's the situation on this person? This person hasn't invalidated his prayer because he wasn't obligated to recite the fact in the first place, but he's sinful. And as a result of that, Sheikh Uthameen says, he says, uh, there is no i'ad لأن لا تجب عليها ولكن هل تبطل صلاته من أجل مخالفة ترتيب في الكلمات أو الآيات لأنه محرم عليه 
And this has a mahalul nadar. He goes, this is a point that needs some discussion. Okay, this needs yani, some thinking about because it's not straightforward. Because Shaykh Qutbim is taking next level. He goes, there's no doubt a person doing this, we're doing haram. But what if the person's haram that invalidates his prayer because of the action of doing haram? So another kind of angle. Anyway, the point is, is that, you know, the, the way that we can go with the class position is, is that it is correct to say exactly what the Hanbalis have said. That a person who's praying by themselves or in imam has to repeat that part again that they made a mistake in, without a shadow of a doubt. And a person who is behind the imam and he makes that mistake, the imam covers it for them as long as they didn't intend it. And if they didn't intend it, then they make istighfar and tawbah, but they don't need to repeat the prayer again. So what, what, we've said that it's not... Um compulsory on somebody that's following to recite Fatiha and, and so what if they were just to choose not to recite what would the, give me an example what the difference so of that behind the imam uh, you mean he's choosing not to listen you mean because they're both of them are not reciting no no so the imam is in Asa for example okay and I decide I'm not going to say anything uh, but why did you decide not to recite anything? Because I don't know. Because the, no, because the Hanafis, they say the Imam is reciting for me yeah. even though I can't hear him. Whereas the other schools, they say, I can't hear the Imam reciting for me, so I have to recite. So what are you I saying? Have, I have to recite. Have to recite. But then we've said it's not uh, compulsory. No, no, we're talking about when you can hear the Imam. If you can hear the Imam, then it's not going to be obligatory to recite. Make, you wouldn't make that mistake anyway. Because Correct. If he's intending to be a Hanafi, yes. then that's fine. But if he's intending to be... And obviously it's a humbly text, yeah. Yeah, but if he's being a humbly and he, and he, and he has to recite, and yes. he says, no, I'm not going to recite. That is, of course, this scenario is based upon the humbly angle. There's no doubt about it. The, um, the humbly angle no, is so, in play. So if we say that we are um, going... Why in the humble angle? And yep. we decide that we're not going to pray. What's the situation? Not going to pray. We're not going to recite. <laughs> Took it next level, bro. Yeah, <laughs> what if what if they say that he, he said he's not going to recite? I don't know. Person who says I'm not going to recite and he so believes that recitation is obligation, then he hasn't fulfilled the condition of the prayer. He needs to he needs to repeat he the prayer. I'm not going to take my mistakes. If he believes that the recitation, like the Hanafis, he believes the recitation of the Imam is sufficient, then he will. He will, that the Imam will then take Yani the mistake. Correct. Once, um, uh, once happened um, in the mosque, the Imam uh, was reciting on a Friday prayer and he dropped the microphone or something like that. Right. He waited around two minutes in silence and somebody on the ground floor took over the, the mosque. Meaning. Separate, who hadn't heard anything. No, the imam was carrying on with the imam. Yeah, so but no one can, no one can hear him anymore. So someone then stepped forward and carried on for the people who were downstairs. He didn't no, step no, forward. He was in the south and he took over the imam. So there's upstairs. In the same upstairs. Yeah. No, downstairs. Downstairs. Yeah, but you said yeah. Okay, got you. Yeah. Upstairs, downstairs, can't hear. Got you. So waited. I reckon it was a good couple of minutes. Yeah. And he took over. Yeah. And what happened afterwards? World War Three. all came down and jumped on him or whatever. Miskin, miskin. So here's... I, I didn't really know what was... So for the, for the audio of the, of the camera, the, the question is basically, scenario happened where in a Jumu'ah, two-floored masjid, um, the imam is reciting the uh, Salatul Jumu'ah, and then he's dropped his microphone or whatever. There's a two-minute silence for the people downstairs who are following on a speaker, can't hear anything. One guy uses initiative at downstairs. He goes forward, and the entire floor, he then continues to lead them and finishes the prayer. Okay, is and then correct? and then and then after is this correct? Afterwards, the guy got jumped, got beaten silly, and there was World War Three. And my answer is, welcome to being a sister. Okay, <laughs> all right. Okay, welcome, Yanni, to the world of women who have to go through this nonsense every single time in a masjid. Broken speakers, sixty-six miles away, in the boiler cupboard, no idea what's going on. Blah blah blah. So I actually think because I tell the sisters that their ruling is is that when the speaker breaks, because it happens all the time. Okay. And obviously the whole concept of the speaker is not from the Sunnah. This should never ever happen. Because as I... Have we done it in the Umrah yeah. yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have? So, no, they've done it in classes, obviously. But we've done it in this Umrah for these folks. Oh, no. no, we haven't. Right, okay. Yes, we did. We did it outside. Yeah, we did outside. In orientation. Yeah, in, orient yeah, in orientation. Yeah. yeah, and there's no barrier. You're always saying this is never going to happen. If you can't hear a person, you'll see. The women will see the guys in front of them. So it's never going to happen. So this modern day scenario of locking women away putting them in another building means that this is always going to happen. And so you've only got two potential positions for the women to do, which now the men are seeing for the first time. So for the women, what I say to them is that when it goes, 
don't be hanging around because we can't be held hostage like this and we're you know, waiting for some stupid speaker to come back on. So you break your prayer and you continue. You break your congregational prayer and you continue individually. And I'm very comfortable with that and that's the position I, I prefer. But I also accept what happened when you just explained, which is that a responsible sister who understands the situation, they step forward and they carry on from that position and they carry on with her as the imam and they complete with, with, that, with that lady there and then. For me, this is the valid uh, way. It follows what the fuqaha say for a normal congregation. So why shouldn't the sisters use it? And so therefore, in my opinion, what he did is correct. Even though the gap here was long. Even though the gap here was long. It would also be correct for everyone to break the prayer and start again. All of these three uh, things are on the table. It's only because of ignorance they jumped on a guy. He actually exercised one of three acceptable, uh, acceptable opinions. Actually, in that scenario, two acceptable opinions. Because to pray by yourselves in a Jum'ah prayer, that would have been a bit rough. Because everyone's come together to pray that one of congregational prayer that has to be prayed in congregation. There's not just a thing as a single Jum'ah. If you were praying Dhuhr behind an Imam on a Thursday and this happened, the three options are on the table. You'd pray Dhuhr by yourself, you'd make a new Jum'ah with someone who stepped forward, or you would... Uh, what was the third one? Repeat the whole, Repeat the whole uh, prayer by yourself. Whereas in Jummah, you couldn't do that because you can't pray Jummah by yourself. Mm. So that's quite fine. Um, yeah. In that situation, if the mic... Which one? The Sisters? Where the sister took yeah. over. Yeah. And then the mic came back on. Yeah. Uh, completely ignore. Completely ignore. Completely ignore. And when you hear it come back on again, make sure you find good slaps to the people <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yani, you, all the time that I hear this, yani, the, the, the mic came on and what do we do? I don't want to say anything worse yani, the, uh, despicable these people are that don't fix this scenario and then ruin the, yani, the, the, the situation by bits in there bits in there they're all waiting you know they're all waiting you know that's what happens I don't want any woman to wait you know if you, as soon as that sound goes you've got the fatwa from me you separate and carry on ignore that speaker first of all we bring a bid'ah in the first place and then make, keep you enslaved to the bid'ah as well what is that? anyway what are you getting me angry for man? right so, where are we now? Uh, oh yeah, so now repeating the prayer, sah? Yep, 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 yep. Uh, ah, okay, so Sheikh Uttamin says, okay, what does it mean? Repeat, repeat the whole Fatiha, repeat the whole prayer, repeat that ayah, repeat that ayah. So he says, he says that, yani, According to the, the, the author, Al-Hajjawi statement, that there needs to be a repeat of the, uh, the re- repeat it, it indicates the whole uh, prayer needs to be, re- the whole Fatiha needs to be uh, uh, repeated if a person makes one of these little mistakes towards the end or towards the middle. And Shaykh Adamin says, I don't think this is right. He goes that sometimes a person indicates that with his speech, but even he himself doesn't intend that. Actually, he says, the only thing that needs to be repeated is that which you made a mistake in. Because everything before that was correct. Everything yani, that you said before that was correct. So the only thing that you're going to repeat is the one that you left the harf out, or the order out, or the whatever. And that's what he says, and I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay, Sheikh then says, uh, question, how do you recite Surah Al-Fatiha? What's the actual manner in that you recite Surah Al-Fatiha? He goes, you must, yambari, no, must. He goes, you should, should, that's a nice word, should. You should uh, uh, separate between the verses. And stop at every single verse. Seven times. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Stop. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Stop. Maliki Yawmiddin. Stop. Iyaka Na'abudu wa Iyaka Nasta'een. Stop. Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqeem. Stop. Sirat Al-Ladheena An'amta Alayhim. Stop. Ghayri Al-Maghdubi Alayhim Waladhaalleen. Stop. And this of course is based upon the opinion of what? Of what? What's this, yani, this stopping based upon? That the basmala is part of is not part of Fatiha. <laughs> that's the reason I gave you the hazelnut. <laughs> oh my goodness! So the Prophet sallam, he would recite like this. Okay, that's the interesting thing. He would stop at every single ayah. Hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed. Um, Volume 6, Hadith number 302, mm-hmm. also narrated by Imam Daraqutni, has a good chain. All the narrators are thiqat. I studied this hadith uh, about 20 years ago. I like this hadith. The strength of this hadith is, yani, uh, is strong. Because actually, it's a, it's a big statement, you know, to say that, that you stop after every ayah. 
Um, Sheikh Uthameen, I think, is going to come up with the correct statement. When he says, and this is a nice point for the students, okay? So listen up carefully. لِأَنَّ وُقُوفُهُ عِنْدَ كُلِّ آيَةٍ عَلَى سَبِيلِ الْإِسْتِحْبَابِ لَا عَلَى سَبِيلِ الْوُجُوبِ The action of the Prophet ﷺ of stopping at each ayah is indicating recommendation and not obligation. Explain to me why. I repeat, his stopping after each ayah indicates recommendation. A recommendation to stop at each ayah, not an obligation to stick at each to stop at each ayah. Why? Huh? Make a powerful statement, but I'm saying what's the because, legal reasoning? Because there's no statement. Because there's no statement. Correct. Because not everything that he does is for us to do. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Correct answer. Because it's an action of the Prophet ﷺ. Without the statement ordering to do so, it does not indicate the obligation. The action himself, yes, that's what he does. And by him not going further and saying you do it as well, would indicate recommendation only. And that is strengthened by the fact that in the hadith mm. with the with the, the Al-Musi fi salati, the person who made a mistake in his prayer, when he came and said, when he came with Ya Rasulullah, I don't know anything else, show me how to pray. And he said to him, do this. He didn't say you have to stop. He didn't say that you have to, you know what I'm trying to say? So we can get an indication from the rest of the evidences that this is indeed not an obligation and something which is uh, recommended only. And this, and this, he says, This is one of the rules of usul al-fiqh. This is a what we call a qaida fiqhiya or qaida usuliya, sorry. A maxim in usul al-fiqh, in the principles of law. Translated, a independent action that one worships, that one uses for worship, an independent action done in worship indicates recommendation. An independent, when I say independent, that's not the right phrase. What I want to indicate is that the statement, the action is done without an accompanying statement to do so. How would you, what would you say that? On his own accord. No, 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 not of our own accord. If I did an action and I didn't tell you to do the action, what would I describe that action? I would I say I would I, call it, I wouldn't call it independent. I would call it an action without a statement, right? How would I? What would the phrase be? No, 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 no. That's the consequence. No, no, no. That's a consequence. How do you describe? How do you describe an act that doesn't have an accompanying side part to it? Uh, I, I think it's somewhere in that way. It's independent, individual. It's in the ins. Standalone. Yeah, actually, I think standalone is good. I think standalone makes good sense. Standalone, a standalone act of worship. And whatever, anyway, it doesn't matter what, what phrase we choose, what's important is that people understand what it means. So, a standalone act of worship, comma, uh, brackets, that doesn't have an accompanying ordered statement, close brackets, indicates recommendation only. That's the, that, that's the, that's the, qaida usuliya, okay? Um, and then Sheikh says that, uh, uh, yeah, okay. And then, I, actually I did this last week, uh, and let's finish with this point. Sheikh says, uh, what if someone says to you, you've spoken about leaving letters out, you've spoken about missing this, you've spoken about that. What if someone swaps a letter? Swaps a letter, okay, in the Fatiha. Ambassador is saying, absolutely no way, and that's correct. Intentionally. Intention. No, unintentionally. I mean, the, 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 the point, the point is, is not, the, the, the reason why intention and unintention is not important is because if another person is listening, let's look at it from the third party point, what do they have to do? So if I'm listening to you say, Alhamdulillahi, uh, 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 you know, I don't want to even say it, yani, you know, make a full statement, but you get what I'm saying, yeah, completely to change, Rammil Alameen or something. And you are going to say to me, whoa, bro, yani, what's Rammil Alameen? And you're going to make me think, what point are you going to say? Well, I'm giving the answer, aren't I? Yeah, yeah and that's exactly the example that Sheikh gives. Uh, the the instead of the dad. Yeah, we spoke about this before. What did I say in two lessons ago? It's not as serious. Carry on. What else did I say? Comes from the same part of the mouth. It's an attempt to say it properly, not an attempt to change the meaning. There's a lot of yani side factors, and then I added the caveat. And subhanAllah, what a perfect place to add the caveat, okay? 
that actually that I myself I think uh, Faraz was asking me, where's Faraz? There's Faraz right there. Uh, this point, Faraz, that we're covering now, okay, what if a person says, instead of والضالين? do we make the person repeat the prayer or repeat the Fatiha? Again, it was Shaykh Ubaidullah al-Afghani here that was teaching every single person who wanted ijazah from him in Surah Al-Fatiha, a letter that I still can't re- re- recite today. A letter that was in between al-da, and al-da, and something in between. It was like a, like a, or something, I don't know what it is. But because he has a riwayah back to the Prophet ﷺ that he was taught. He was a sheikh of the Qur'an, he was a teacher of Al-Hudayfi. And he was, he was the master of, 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 of Qira'ah. And this used to be a real con- a matter of controversy in this masjid. Okay, We're talking 25 years ago, right? He only passed away how many years ago, Afraz? Passed away what? Yeah, no, I mean a couple of years ago he passed away, subhanAllah. And I mean he's from the, the teachers of the teachers of Qur'an. And how do you argue with someone who has a senate going back to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Because senate is, is oral. And if he's reciting like that and other people, and you know, the other scholars used to be not happy with him at all. As you can imagine. You know, everyone's really like, you know, what is that? What kind of sound is that? So I want to say that only strengthens this argument. You would never make inkar upon a person. I know that we are Paxi and all going, well, Zalim, well, Zalim, yeah. They're finding it difficult anyway. But I'm saying that there could be even a legal precedent for what they're saying. And the same when we say, oh, Al-Lazina, Al-Lazina, we know, even, you know, I told you that the Paks think that, you know, it's only them that are cursed with Al-Lazina. You know, if you go to Egypt, yeah, and all of them, all, all, all the Middle East, yeah, and, you know, Syria, Palestine, whatever, they, they all find difficulty, and you're saying, Al-Lazza. Yeah, and because in normal Arabic speech, people don't fuss about the difference between za and that. But when it comes to the Quranic Arabic, you've got to be more accurate. So don't just Paks. So I'm comfortable <coughs> with that. Comfortable meaning we don't have inkar. Sorry? So this is not about accent. You can tell accent. Like, you know, there's a big thing, there's a big difference between the Saudis and the Egyptians, for example, in their accent. So, for example, you'll see um, what we call, yeah, the Egyptians are very muraqtaq. Like, iman. Like, you know, you know, if you listen to Egyptians call, yeah, and there's someone, their, their daughter, iman, they go, iman. Iman. Right? And if it's a pack, they're like, Imana. <laughs> you know? Imana. Right? So if your daughter is Iman, and the, the Saudis are like in the middle. It's like Iman. So you look at the, uh, uh, ah. Uh. Right? It's the accent on the... So honestly, you go to... The Egyptians are hardcore standing up. Iman. Ah. Uh, right? And if you hear the, the Saudis, it'll be Iman. And the pack is, oh, uh, oh. Uh. Imrana. Imana, yeah, Qurana, right? And so if you hear Egyptians, they'll say Quran, Imran, like that. You know, it's like really high, high pitched. So that's what accent is. And accent doesn't affect the actual. Uh, I'm not talking about that, no. I'm talking about pronunciation differences. Faraz, you're saying? No? Yeah. Anyone else? Because I'm going to stop it. The question was yep. what would you do to that person that did that? Nothing. That's the point. We would not consider this person. We would educate them. Yeah, we would correct them and say to them, "Listen, you got to work on this, yeah, and whatever." We would not say the prayer is invalidated. That's the point. That's the point of the question. Yeah. What if it's an extreme difference? That's unacceptable by consensus. So just let's so just so that it's absolutely clear, we're not talking about just what people find difficult to pronounce. It's got to be within the realm of acceptance. It is completely unacceptable to say g in any part of the Quran. Completely. There's no there's there's no there's no closeness, huh? Okay. You heard that? You heard that? Yes. Ajib. Yani some miskin guy, you mean? This guy, it's hard work. Honestly, literalist. I don't know what you mean, but. Dahiri, full. Waqas al Dahiri. that's what we're going to call him. Not a Hanafi anymore. He's, he's lost his Hanafi credentials. Waqas al Dahiri. So. Is there a ruling? You know, um, um, I went up north and it was. Monday. Honest to God, this guy, Gassam, you gotta be careful, yeah? He's pure north hater, this guy is. Yeah, unbelievable. Every, I went up north and they spoke English. Uh, I went up north and they had water. 
<laughs> good. Alhamdulillah, good. You went to civilization. It was so fast, it took half an hour to finish the right book. I don't think anybody understood. Oh, no, that's all a joke. Which must, bro. As, 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 as everywhere. Well, that's disgraceful. We should not, we should not. Yeah, there is a ruling. That prayer is invalid. People should not pray behind that kind of imam. And that mosque was absolutely packed. Of course it was packed. Everyone loves that behavior, bro. Sarah, we have done dust in half an hour. Who's going to say no to that? You love that? Leicester. Oh, Leicester up north. Man. Leicester up north. Unbelievable. It is. It is up north. To me. Rosmina, yeah. That's next lesson. Next lesson. This humble Kit Kat. That's one, that is. This humble Kit Kat could either be a humble Kit Kat or a sign of the divine. Huh? It will become a sign of the divine if I open this and it is complete solid chocolate. Ooh. You would go, whoa. It's not, it's not. I know it's not. I can feel from the weight. That's your profile. You can't say that. No, no. Here's my profile. I can say it because I'm the one who came up with it. <laughs> it's my original quote that. All right. Any questions, folks? Yes. We can fast one uh, day Amra. During the act of Umrah, you can technically fast, but it would not be the Sunnah because you're missing out on Zamzam, you're creating a difficulty for yourself. Huh? I'm, uh, yeah, if you're talking about our one, we're going to be doing it after Maghrib anyway. But if you're asking just in general, then, um, then, then uh, it is permissible, but it would be completely against the Sunnah. Completely against the Sunnah. It's a very tough act. I've lost my ribbon, Yanni. I'm going to have to use a Hershey's. It's going to infect my book. Oh, there it is. Have you seen my book, Kerthingi? Allah. Can we get a round of applause? For? Finishing on time. <laughs> what are you here for? Two hour lessons for the last. You know, you know, he made me finish for us because of pizza. He goes, yeah, we've got to finish on time, we've got to finish on time. Gas, <laughs> man, unbelievable. Although, We're not finishing that. at all. Jeeves. Huh? You keep saying we missed the previous lessons. We never got an invite or. Ah, tough, innit? There you go. That's what happens with people, yeah, who live down south. Huh? <laughs> Yeah. 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 Meaning that you know, I'm reciting. Happens actually uh, in my village. Because when the announcement starts on a loudspeaker, you know that this is not normal. So you're praying on your own. You're praying on your own, and you hear a loudspeaker of the masjid in the in the village, which, as I said before, used for announcements, deaths, uh, big big statements, and you know that when you hear it, you know this is not normal. So you pause to listen. Now that's a disaster because you're going to be listening to that whole message. And those messages normally are, Alhamdulillah, so-and-so, so-and-so has passed away. We're going to have the janazah and this. And you're listening very carefully to get the detail of where the janazah is going to be prayed and what time. That's what happens in the village. That's way too long a gap. I don't think that's a problem. If we were to make that, if we were to make that an issue, <laughs> Easy Jeeves. Easy Jeeves. You know what I mean, bro? Just calm down there, man. Slow down. We talked about that with, the mu- with music. Yeah. You said if there's music around mm-hmm. and you're not listening to it. Yeah, there's a big difference between listening and hearing, okay? A sama and istama. Yani, you know, the inside of sama and istima is when a person hears something, is different from when you listen to something and you start to focus on it and follow it and whatever. So, people are praying in department stores and work and music and people chatting. Listen. I, I, I've got to tell you something. Uh, a, a lot of people, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate, yani anti children in a masjid. Massive. Everyone knows that, okay? Big time. Islamically, it's not supported, this, that, whatever. But I, I really don't like the people who advocate for this position using illegitimate evidences, like they make too much noise. You know this idea, all right? Children, yani, everyone makes noise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't create the world yani, to be noisy. If you are struggling to pray because it's noisy, you need to die. <laughs> yeah, that's the only time you're going to get silence. Yeah? And you're not going to pray in the middle of the night. I know you're not that kind of guy, right? You're only complaining about yani, the daily prayers being noisy. You know, it's like that person who really freaks me out. The one who comes to Jumu'ah and, you know, says, I've got no space. You know, because you tell him, you listen, Habibi, there's people outside, yani, can we come and half this line and, you know, be a, bit, a little bit uncomfortable, only for three, four minutes, yani, and that's it. No, 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 I came all this way. Habibi, if you want space, come to flipping Fajr. 
You have all the space in the world. He doesn't even know what Fajr means. But he comes to, he comes to Jum'ah and he wants yani, his own mansion. Jum'ah yani, is not the, not the prayer to relax in. Jum'ah is there to come and pack in and pray upon people's yani, ankles and this and that and put your head that way, that way. That is the Jum'ah prayer. Jum'ah prayer is a buzz. It's not there to chill. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, you know, what I want to say is that when we want to be correct about this issue, noise is something that Muslims have to develop a defense system against. And the first, and, and the first, the, uh, the first stage of that defense is to understand, don't be disturbed by sound. Be disturbed by your inability to, uh, your inability to stop following that sound. That's what you've got to work on. Accept and train yourself to pray and hearing lots of disturbance. And work on the skill of making it all white noise. You know, subhanAllah, if you think about it, okay? It makes, you know, white noise was never a concept. White noise is a modern idea. So people who have sleeping problems, they now use white noise. Can you imagine that being 100 years ago? Of course it wouldn't. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, right? To use noise to help someone. But that is what scientists have worked out. White, no- white noise numbs the person. And, you know, if they're, if they're tired, it sends them to sleep. I want to say to you that the musalli, the proper musalli, uses white noise to focus on the salah. You've got to create all of the background, whether it's the department thingy, or whether it's the masjid and the drone of the people, or them chatting, or kids, or women, or whatever, whatnot. Make it just white noise and focus on your salah. That is not the reason to ban children from the masjid. That's not the reason that you should be complaining about kids in the masjid. Listen, I really, I can't believe I forgot to say this today at, at the uh, Umrah class. Because virtually the whole group was here, only a few people were missing, and that was my opportunity, and I completely missed it. Okay, there are a number of people here in this group that are praying on chairs because of some problem or age or whatever, whatnot. Yeah, this is important. Well, I everyone needs to hear this because this is what this is what I saw uh, today. So everybody, everybody who is praying on a chair in these in these masajid, okay, in the here and in the haram, the chairs that you use, the free ones that are given, are little stools and they're very very light. And because people are not used to one, praying in congregation, especially the women, they're not used to praying in congregation. Number two, they're not used to praying on something so light. So what they're doing is that they are praying like this. Yep. And they're praying like this. With full confidence that the chair is still there. Right? And in this masjid, children are all over the place and they bump in and they move on purpose as well. And yesterday I was praying this morning. Fajr. It was Fajr, yeah. Oh my God. In front of me, you know, I was in the line where there's a big gap, you know, the pillar gap. Yeah, so the pillars. And then the line was over there. So we're talking like two lines worth. The guy had put the chair there. An old man. And there's a little kid. She's about four years old. She's walking around, happy as Larry. And she bumps into the, the chair. And I see the chair move 45 degrees. And my heart stopped. Gus and my heart stopped. Because it was on the carpet and it didn't make any sound. And my guy didn't have any clue. And I was there looking at my such the point, and I was thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Do I step? Do I push? Do I push? And I thought, no, I think he's okay. No, I think he's, he's okay. I think he's going to be okay. Hope, Ya Allah, do the, what you do, which is that before you go down, just check that it's there. He didn't. He went down. He caught just the edge. And the chair went like this, and the guy went like that. <laughs> Miskin was like 80 years old, bro. He caught it just like that. And he was young. He couldn't work out what happened because he hadn't moved. Yeah. So then he's you know, sorting the chair out like that, whatever, whatnot. Yeah. And then obviously next rakah when he went down, he did check. Okay. So I know that people don't do that at home because they're so comfortable. But in the haramain, do not pray on a chair without first before going down. Because it is a very serious way of injuring yourself. Because you're not stopping yourself. You hit the floor very hard. All right. Yeah. That would have been your fault. That would have been my fault, yeah? yeah? Everything's my fault, yeah? I'll take one, no problem. Anything else, boys and girls? Anything? Khalas, we done? Subhanakallah wa bihamdika shahadu wa la ilaha ilaha wa sallahu wa rukhullahumma wa atubu wa alaykum 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 wa alaykum